and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. You're listening to episode 82 on August 4, 2022. I am back. Um, thank you uh, for the patience of the listeners who uh, haven't heard me uh, in, in a few days, uh, in a few, well, uh, like two weeks. The episode from Georgia had been pre-recorded. I got sick in the meantime. It was more of a serious thing, so unfortunately I was out for a bit. Thank you to Jalasowski, who uh, uh, recorded an episode last week and so made sure that there was actually no gap in the whole uh, in the whole program programming. Sorry, of the consumer podcast. Still not on top of my game, but um, but fortunately I do have help today because Fabio Fernandez is joining us, uh, co-hosting the podcast uh, uh, this week together here um, on uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening right now. Fabio, how is it going? How is uh, how hot is Milan right now? Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me again. And I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better. And in Milan, it's pretty hot, pretty warm. Uh, last week, we were uh, 42 degrees Celsius. Uh, Ouch. That's yes. almost like my fever was before <laughs> I went to the hospital. <laughs> so as hot as Bill's temperature. Um, and this week, yes, it's also very warm. Uh, but yeah, now we are in August. So hopefully uh, just a few more weeks of hot weather and then we're going to also start uh, having a better weather here in Milan. Yeah, the heat wave uh, hitting all over Europe and uh, it's really hard to know where to go. It feels a bit like, you know, in February, the weather sucks everywhere in Europe and you don't know where to go. And now it seems like it's a bit too warm everywhere. Maybe maybe Finland, but that's a bit too expensive. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about uh, people going on holiday. So we have two topics that we wanted to uh, go through to, uh, today. And one of them is the uh, the chaos of traveling through Europe at the moment. We've talked about this uh, uh, to some extent in, in previous episodes. We really wanted to get into it today. And then also wireless headphones. Uh, I like when, when, when Fabio is on and we can actually talk about uh, tech products. We talked about wireless chargers at one point, so I wanted to bring up headphones. So first off, let's, let's talk about the airport chaos. Um, and so I'm sort of, because I spend a lot of time in... In Amsterdam, I, I do see uh, the effect on, I think, probably the worst airport right now to use, a Schiphol Airport uh, here in Amsterdam. And that's um, the, the effect of, of, of COVID, uh, COVID lockdowns, uh, because what the airport did is fire a lot of staff, retire a lot of staff early. And then, of course, the, the clearance procedures, the security clearance procedures to rehire people, get people back into the airport security uh, staff, very difficult um, for uh, for that airport, and then of course the queuing times are massive. Even if you arrive four hours before your departure in Schiphol Airport, you might not actually make your flight, and that is quite extraordinary for an airport that, you know, I previously when I went there it was like half an hour before departure and you'd still be fine. And that has really changed now. Um, I don't know. I, do you have you personally have you made similar experiences this summer, Fabio, when you were when you were traveling similar? Uh, airport chaos. I know in the south of Europe, it seems to be a bit better. Am I mistaken? Yeah, that's true. Um, I traveled to Lisbon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and you know that we travel a lot for work uh, on the business that we do. And yes, uh, I had two flights delayed, uh, not as terrible as other passengers, as you said, in uh, Amsterdam, people are uh, not able even to get to their flight. So it's not even that the flight is delayed sometimes, but going through the check-in and uh, security procedure and airport procedures, uh, sometimes you don't get 
to your gate in time and you miss your flight. So I think there are two problems happening right now. You have the problem of airports that are short on staff. Uh, they have to make, make some uh, cutbacks during the pandemic. Some airports were actually closed, so no flights, and they are coming back now during the summer and restarting all the operation. And that might be one of the problems and issues that people are facing today in Europe. But also companies uh, are having issues with their cutbacks. So we had less flights. So um, the, the companies are, are also uh, with less people working or sometimes they are in leave because they got COVID. Uh, so they are also short in staff. Uh, and that had been uh, a great issue here in Europe, basically because of those two things. You have airports that are not working properly and also companies that were not prepared for the amount of people that are willing to travel at this time. Interestingly enough, uh, last week, um, American Express released a new uh, statement from, from their like uh, financial statements, and they had an increase in 20% in travel and entertainment this year uh, compared to 2019 and 50% more bookings during this time. So basically, uh, people are really like tired of being home. They really want to travel. They really want to get back uh, in the air. And, and that is uh, the, the un unbalance between the, the amount of demand that we're having right now, especially from Europe, uh, but a lot of uh, tourists coming also from the United States. They are flooding a lot of airports like Greece uh, is having a lot of issues as well. And I mean, that, that is the, the big problem. High demand, uh, you don't have as much uh, offer of flights today. You have less flights because they have less people working. They had to make some cutbacks and they, it, there was not enough time for companies and airports to prepare for this high demand in such a short period of time. Uh, and I wasn't expecting, I don't know how about you, but I wasn't expecting uh, a summer without any restrictions. Uh, basically, all countries cut all restrictions to flights. You don't need my, uh, COVID tests. You don't need to wear masks in most of their flights. So people are really, really willing to, to travel because it's no hassle nowadays. And um, But the airports and, and those things actually were, were a big of a problem. And even though we're having a recession, even though, I mean, if you read the New York Times, uh, probably... Uh not quite a recession, but uh, but yeah, people are traveling quite a lot. It has some effect. We also talked previously about uh, trains in Germany having similar problem with Deutsche Bahn having given out this nine euro ticket through the government. And then, of course, all the regional trains are completely overfilled, about 400 over uh, packed trains a day. So even if you try to find alternatives uh, to, to flights, it's quite it's quite an issue. And then, of course, Something that's been that's been bothering me as well, and you know, I, I use the airline quite a bit, um, and and many of their affiliates, but I'm getting increasingly annoyed with Lufthansa. Um, Lufthansa is consolidating a lot of uh, what's happening in Europe right now in terms of the airlines. Ita Airways seems to be now getting sold yep. to um, uh, to Lufthansa, which means that whether you're flying from Rome, Milan, Vienna, Brussels, uh, Frankfurt, Munich. Um, uh, what, what, what are some of the other ones? I mean, even even your low-cost Eurowings flight, all of that is owned by Lufthansa. And Lufthansa, the news now is that the pilots are announcing that they are willing to go on strike further this summer. Um, and of course, that goes throughout the entire Lufthansa AG. So whether it's Swiss or Austrian, a lot of the pilots are now ready to strike, which... I mean, we'll just exacerbate the problem right now. I mean, it's already quite a problem with the staff shortages. 
now the pilot's going on strike that that will just that will just further the problem i have spent a night in an hotel in in, in frankfurt uh, because i uh, because of cancelled flights uh, and I, I think I think that evening they told me in the reception of that hotel it was ninety percent of the customers were stranded Lufthansa wow. passengers uh, in Frankfurt, and you know I have status on Lufthansa so I got lucky because I I could do my rebooking and, and get like my vouchers in the in the lounge which took about two hours I don't even want to imagine how long it would have taken if I had tried to call them or do it at the service desk which I mean I've never seen queues that long. Um, and, 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 of course, I was not on an intercontinental flight. You I mean, just imagine you fly from, like, Seoul and you arrive in Frankfurt and you have another leg to fly on and you're just so tired and, 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 and angry. I mean, it's just it's crazy. What, what I've heard now from Schiphol Airport is that by 2024, the airport wants to reduce its capacity for connecting flights, which I don't know exactly what that means for KLM because, I mean, that's a lot of the business model for KLM is the connecting flights on, on those airports. Um, it's a mess right now. It really is a mess. I hope it's going to get better in September because, I mean, a lot of the people who travel for work are hit by this now in summer as well. Hopefully, it's going to go down a bit. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's the governments are requested to some extent to intervene. They don't know what to do because they've promised to get rid of aviation because of the environment. Um, but there's one thing I think is interesting when we talk about the pilot strikes, and that's, that's something I, I've, I've looked a bit into uh, prior to uh, uh, prior to us recording this podcast, and that is pilotless uh, aircraft. And I think that's that's very interesting because Airbus has actually said in the past that they are able to produce aircraft already that have no pilots. So we went from I said well, until the seventies or eighties, it was three pilots that that was reduced to two. They want to reduce it to just one pilot because a lot of the th- stuff that is done flying is already automated, and many of the companies could save billions uh, by 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 just reducing the pilots completely. Of course, that would also mean that consumers would have to be ready to sit in a on an aircraft that has no pilot whatsoever. So I was curious, actually, Fabio, how would you feel if you got on a flight and you knew? Everything's done by a machine. Would you would you be comfortable with that? That's interesting because I read um, a report saying that people were uncomfortable with uh, self-driving cars, especially with tra- Tesla and things like that. And uh, the news is that also the capabilities in terms of self-driving cars, we are at the, the, a point that cars can autonomously drive safely around with all the AI information that we have. But the consumers there, yeah. and the technology is there, yes. And, and we don't trust, so consumers don't trust uh, cars to drive them from point A to point B. Uh, and it takes takes some time to get used to. And when we, we talk about flying, it's over a decade that uh, most of the, of the flight, I think 80 or 85% of the flight is done by the machine so the the plane fly itself uh even the most difficult landings so the ones that the climate the weather doesn't allow you the pilot to have a good visibility of the the landing uh the the plane lands itself and basically you just need one person just looking the instruments and making sure that everything it's okay but uh not a lot of people know about that no not a lot of people know that fly flying today is basically an autonomous uh a flying machine uh, and the pilots have very little interference uh, once the plane is flying so basically it's uh, landing takeoff they do a little bit of work but then it's just communicating with the tower and yeah and, and we are okay with that it's one of the safest uh, transportations 
around the world. Uh, it's flying. So I would feel comfortable going in an airplane that fly itself actually has less risk. Most of the accidents with, when you're flying is because of human error. Uh, so it's pretty good to know that that will, that will be reduced even further. Uh, so yeah, I would be comfortable with that, but I understand that people, some people won't. I think there's definitely going to be politics involved because, I mean, the pilots are certainly not happy about yeah. this. And this is going to be a great example of, you know, again, like disruptive technology. It's a bit like the uh, the the copywriters, the initial copywriters in the monasteries in Europe in the 15th century who were against uh, who were against Gutenberg's printing press and said that it was <laughs> sorcery and it should be banned because we don't know the, the consequences of it. And, and then, of course, the thing is, like, there will still be plane crashes because, I mean, technology does fail. And then the liability question is going to come up. And, and I think so far, I think for the notable exception of the MCAS disaster with the 7, was it the 737, uh, 800 max? Yep. Like the yeah, M, the, exactly. That, that system. I think it's rarely been that software was actually... Uh, uh, the question of liability in this case it really was and 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 and, and boeing should definitely be taken to uh, uh, uh to, to to court for this and, and be made responsible for this um but i think now if if we if we were to move to pilotless then well i mean who else is there to blame i mean it's the manufacturer ultimately that is to blame not even the airline anymore um so so that's definitely going to be interesting sort of the liability question of that how exactly does that work who's in charge insurance what will be the cost of insurance but i think yeah a lot of it is also going to be just politics and sort of like you know what do we do with the pilots and uh, i mean there's a lot of pilots that need it right now um i know that the um, uh, in paris where you you know in public transport you constantly have strikes and there's one line that is strike proof in paris it's the line number one because it's completely automated so no matter what the day and no matter what when the strike that line always goes they were really against that ratp which is the 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 public transport system in paris they were really against that and now line one is actually completely automated and safe and everything never had just never been an accident or anything and and so yeah, I mean, that, that, but this is going to be a big part of disruptive technology because once that becomes the standard pilotless flying, it's going to save a lot of money. It's going to make air travel actually more affordable because, I mean, a lot of the part is like the, the, the pilots being paid and, you know, like the over and rest like the, times. The hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, having a pilot available, if that's not going to be necessary anymore, that's going to do a lot. Um, on the costs and and make actually make some airlines profitable again. Who knows? Um, so so it's, it's it's an interesting development there. Um, but yeah, the, the chaos right now shows that well, there's room for improvement. I mean, there is really room for improvement. And I you know I, I'm not I don't know about you um, with all these discussions of high speed rail lines. Um, I'm now using I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Munich actually next week and I'm gonna use uh, Deutsche Bahn to get there. No idea if I'm actually gonna make it. Um, but yeah, that's that's not super efficient. I looked recently, there was this map about how far can you go if you have five hours by train. And depending on the region in Europe, it does not really... I mean, Italy is very well connected, but I mean, some parts of Europe are just like, you don't get very far in five hours. And that's why you need the flights. So the infrastructure there 
I mean, it can be upgraded. There's definitely room for improvement. It's just about like how do you make it profitable? And I think that's what the train companies that are run by the government just cannot cannot figure out. Yeah, and, and I love riding trains. I mean, uh, it's one of my favorite uh, transportations. I think it's train. It's fun. Uh, I like the sound. I like everything about it. But uh, for example, I went this weekend to Paris. Uh, from London to Paris is an hour and 15 minutes by, by plane and seven hours by train. So, I mean, the difference yeah. is like... The, the, it, and it's more expensive. It costs almost the double to, to go by train. So it's... I can like justify the extra cost to to go by train and more time. So I mean, it's it's terrible. And but just before we change subjects, I I mean, we talked about some of the things that maybe consumers can do this summer or try to uh, prevent when we, we talk about the airports. So one of the things is just taking direct flights, avoiding, as you said, like connecting flights uh, because the mass is usually you you miss your second part of the flight because of yeah. delays. Uh, and everything that's happening on the airports. Uh, also avoid certain airports. So there is like a recent report from Statista saying like the the most, uh, the, the airports that had the most delayed flights in uh, June and July, basically Toronto, but it's outside of, um, of Europe. But then we have Frankfurt, Paris, Amsterdam, London, Gatwick, and then Heathrow also in, in London, then Munich and Athens. Those are like the, the worst airports, almost 50% of the flights were delayed in the last month so those are the, the airports that you should avoid i went to paris like i said this weekend instead of going to charles de gaulle i chose to go to early which was a better experience the airport was full but no delays everything went well so sometimes changing the airport you can even if you have to pay a little bit more avoiding those airports is also a good strategy also buying your ticket in advance only because if you know your rights, and we talk about the consumer rights in Europe when you're, you're flying, uh, if you uh, they cancel your flight 15 days before your flight, you get full reimbursement. And if they, your flight is delayed more than three hours, you have uh, also compensation depending on the, the time, the, the, the distance that your flight were. Uh, so also going to the, to the website, knowing your rights when you have some problems with your luggage or if your flight, if it's delayed, cancel. Uh, for sure you have some type of, type of compensation they need to put you in a, a immediate a next flight for you so you can make your appointment so just be well informed because you are protected somehow when those things happen but trying to avoid is the best strategy yeah i mean that's that, that's certainly true i i i have tried many times to get that compensation i've never gotten it it's always that the airline claims that there was some higher power that prevented them from giving any compensation out i've i've once with on a lot uh polish airlines flight i tried to go all the way by actually sending in the court documents and everything that never quite works i don't know maybe it's maybe it's also because i always ended up trying to sue airlines that are owned by the government and then the court system probably protects them in in some way um, another another good advice is also taking the earliest available flight. True. Because as uh, as as some people as some listeners will know, many of these flights are between cities, and they they sort of do the round. They go they go between those two cities all day, and you you rake up uh, delays all along the side of the day, and by the end you have to cancel because you have too much delay or or, or you have to wait a long time at the airport. So the earliest flight, especially when the aircraft is already at the airport, makes it more likely that you get to your destination. Uh, also with baggage, you mentioned that, and that's uh, also good to know. 
uh, check your baggage when it arrives at the at the luggage belt because if it is broken and you want to get compensated for that you need to declare your damage at the airport so it's not that you can leave with your luggage from the airport and then declare it later no you need to go to that office and say this is broken and then you get a a receipt and that receipt proves that it was broken and then the airline will compensate you but you need to do that while you're there which sometimes can be difficult you know you're tired after a long flight you don't want to go through that but if you want compensation you'll have to do it at the airport at the luggage belt when it arrives so that's something that ha- happened to me in the past i see like a broken wheel i go home and i try to declare it later but if you don't have proof for it uh, from the airport they they, they don't give you any money and in, in a way it makes sense yeah um so let yeah sorry yeah, absolutely. And then uh, also uh, travel insurance, if you have that, sometimes it covers missing luggage. Also credit card insurance, sometimes you already have a credit card. It's included in your package. You pay for that every month. Uh, it's Sometimes it also covers like uh, if your luggage goes missing or if you lose your flight, you have some type of compensation uh, for these extraordinary events. So it's good to know also the policies of all the services that you're already paying for or that you already have. Uh, and just claim that uh, to the company. Yeah, and then going through the bureaucracy of trying to make it work. Yeah. Uh, so that <laughs> that can sometimes be a bit a bit of paperwork. Let's move to the uh, to 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 the other topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, so both of us are using headphones right now for this recording, but that's probably actually not the headphones that we use on a day to day. For the listeners who don't, uh, all the listeners do not see us right now, but both of us are wearing headphones, but we're using cable headphones because. Uh, wireless headphones are still not quite equipped for uh, podcast recording. So we're both on cable because that is the reliable uh, system in general. But I think on the day-to-day, I think both of, both of us do use uh, wireless headphones. What, 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 is your, what is your sort of daily use there? What headphones are you using, Fabio? I love the AirPods. I think because I have iPhone and all the ecosystem thing, I think they integrate very well with the phone. It's connected uh, seamlessly. So it's, it's super nice, the experience. I think headphones need to talk with your phone very nicely Uh, otherwise it's just a frustrating experience trying to connect when you go like spotify and you need to change all the settings by the time you do all the changes and pairs and pairing your uh, your headphone i mean sometimes you you lose even interest in listening to the thing that you're you're trying to listen like uh, cable would be much faster so some companies are doing a very good job in having those products uh, working very well apple of course because they own the ecosystem they own the hardware they own the software but some companies uh, are also doing good job like sony have amazing headphones um, I also use sometimes my Beat headphones, uh, which is also now owned by Apple, but they also connect very well. Uh, and and consumers love that experience. I, I think it's uh, it started more like a fashion statement. It was it was cool to wear wireless headphones. You were like yeah. in the edge of technology. Uh, so it was I think it was more of a fashion statement a couple of years ago. But now it's functionality uh, and and easy to use I think it's what's conquering uh, consumers and also batteries are lasting longer and longer so one of the things that frustrated me in the beginning was re- need, the need to recharge constantly so we would listen I don't know two hours and then you need to recharge and during the pandemic because we, we were always connected on our headphones because we had meetings and meetings and meetings all the time zoom meetings everybody was <laughs> engaged on those uh, the, the battery would die very quickly so uh, that is one of the benefits of using a headphone with cable 
is that you never had that problem. But also there are other issues. You have all the, your cables tangled together. It's frustrating oh, yeah. entangling your cables. Um, hate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is your, your um, headphone of choice? I mean, what is the one that you use the most? So I, I'm uh, I'm also on Apple, and it's sort of the worst of the worst because I've actually not just using the AirPods Pro. I also also have the AirPods Max now. Completely unnecessary to have two sets of headphones, you could say, but they do have different uses for them. So if I go, if I cycle, so I, I cycle with headphones as well. I use the the AirPods Pro. Um, yes, also with noise cancelling. Yes, you can still hear the the ambulances uh, in for those for those wandering. And in Amsterdam, it's a very safe experience to cycle uh, because there's a lot of protections for cyclists. Um, so that's sort of on on that level. I'm at home working. I use the AirPods Max and also for flying because. Children disappear completely. Screaming children do not exist on flights for me when I use the AirPods Max. The noise cancelling is quite amazing. And I was comparing um, uh, that too because that is a functionality that was quite important to me for somebody who takes a lot of flights. Um, because noise cancelling, essentially what it does, it, 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 replic it, it, it counters the noise. And so if you have sort of a steady stream of noise, that can be completely cancelled um, uh, um, out. So that's why an ambulance you will still hear because it's sort of a, it's a noise that keeps varying. And that's why noise cancelling does, uh, does not cancel that out. But if you have an ongoing noise, like a propeller of a plane or an, a jet engine of a plane, that can actually be cancelled out. And that's, that, that's a great feature where uh, not all qualities are the same. And if you look at the different uh, different uh, um, brands, you mentioned Sony. Sony just came out with their XM5, which seems to be sort of the cutting edge of, uh, of, of the, new, the new Sony uh, uh, headphones. That's really, uh, that seems to be um, the, the, the big competitor to the, the AirPods Max. Um, but I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of different um, sets of headphones you can get. I know that some people who are really into uh, drum and bass and and you know if you listen to techno music on on your on your headphones then your standard headphones will actually not give you a lot of that pleasure that you get from the music so bass specific headphones are also big on the market so you actually get the feeling on your head and in your in your neck through the bass i i've i've tried some of these of friends of mine and um, you cannot replicate the same with your with your average headphones and then you even have like brands uh, like Mark Levinson, where you get into the, the thousands of euros for those uh, who are very audiophiles. And that for a long time was also not the case that wireless headphones were able to give you the experience of the clean, crisp sound for those who are really into hearing every detail. Uh, and that that we've also overcome now. So you don't need cable headphones for that anymore. But there's one thing I had a question for you because you mentioned compatibility and like connectivity. Um, and there I'm sort of curious because, I mean, one of the criticisms towards Apple has been that if you get Apple headphones and you use them on your Samsung or Huawei or whatever phone, um, the, the connectivity is not as good. It takes a bit too long. And is that fair from sort of the manufacturer perspective that Apple favors its own products? Like it connects very quickly to my iPhone. It would take a lot longer if I was using a Samsung phone uh, because I still paid for the headphones, I, I still pay the same amount. Uh, why 
Like, is, is that is that a, is that a fair system that you know you favor your own ecosystem? That's a lot in the conversation right now. So, what are your thoughts there, Fabio? Uh, as a consumer, I like it. I mean, uh, of course, I don't use uh, Android phones, so I wouldn't complain about having like an Apple headphone and then pairing that with a Samsung or something like that. Uh, but in, in, if you're in, if you're inside the ecosystem, it works perfectly most of the time. So, uh, for for the experience of the user, the consumer wearing a phone, a product from the same ecosystem, it works seamlessly. And that, and that is a, a great benefit. Uh, but I imagine the headache of people that have other types of phones and would like to use that specific brand or like the, the products that Apple are making, but don't like their phones and want to mix and match different products together. And I understand that could be, that could be a problem. I mean, uh, for headphones specifically, I think that the mo the biggest issue here is once you have the echoes the the uh hardware and software it's it's clear that it's going to be faster and work better uh in the same with the same products and it's gonna take longer from the technology perspective because it's a bluetooth connection and bluetooth sometimes takes a little bit time to connect so when you uh are using different products from different companies, you might have some issues in terms of uh, compatibility and it might take some t longer to, to connect because those two devices don't, don't talk in the same language. Uh, so I think it's also a technological uh, issue in the sense that it's, it's a, a thing that uh, companies need to overcome and there's little incentive to overcome that barrier if you buying from a different brand so i i mean it's economically doesn't make make much sense for a company to invest in making their products more accessible to other brands yeah no, i i agree and and, and I, I totally see the economic incentive there i think it's a bit frustrating as a consumer i remember that when i i wanted to get myself a smartwatch and then you know i was looking into the different models and I really like the Samsung Galaxy watches. I, I like that it's round. It look it, it it's from a design perspective. I really preferred it. And then I looked into it, and I see that with my iPhone, it's going to cause a lot of problems. Some features are not going to work. With the headphones, by the way, it's the same. If you use your 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 AirPods um, and you have, have you have a Samsung uh, uh, phone, it won't work with Siri. Spatial audio uh, won't work either. I think it's a bit frustrating. I know that Android sort of favors sort of the open more open system you know allows you to 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 to, to have like a, um, a more diversity on sort of the app store and you know have developers you know make more choices jailbreaking was like you know a big a big issue uh, for a long time also for apple uh, yeah. to allow to allow you know the software to be also uh, fiddled with i i i i i i would probably mix and match more different products if i if i knew that i could operate outside the ecosystem more seamlessly of course for apple there's definitely no incentive to do that and ultimately i end up you know buying the apple products because they they work seamlessly together but i think also companies should be aware that they can stand and fall with that sort of system because it requires you to be on top of your game with every new release because if you're if your next Apple Watch is not the cutting edge and, and Samsung produces something better and the same goes with headphones, you can easily stand and fall and make me as a consumer conclude that, okay, the, the watch is not that great, the new headphones are not that great, maybe I'm also just going to switch my, my phone and, and, and make it so everything is compatible on a different system. So you can also lose consumers very quickly by making everything so strictly compatible and trying to get the competition out. Uh, it's a gamble. I think for companies, it's a gamble. And 
you know, if I was in charge, I would probably make different decisions on, on compatibility of different products because mixing and matching also allows you probably to find out more about your competitors' products and, and, and how they can be improved. So I think companies should actually rather give themselves a, a standard that, 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 that were, I mean, the highest possible standard, and if it's Bluetooth, 6.0 whatever the future is going to bring i think companies should have an incentive to work together a bit it's it's a bit frustrating to me that i can't try from different brands and get the same experience um that's just my view yeah i absolutely agree with you uh one thing that i was curious to know is what are your thoughts in terms of privacy because one thing that changed from uh wireless headphones to wired headphones is that now they are always listening because of noise cancelling because of siri because of all the assistants and things like that uh so sometimes you can also enable and disable this feature but sometimes it's always listening when you have your uh, headphones on so what are your thoughts in privacy because this is also a big change of wireless headphones and we never thought about that uh using uh wired phones so i mean it's certainly a reason that i never got any of those like alexa things um because i don't want to have a listening device in my, in my in my place at all times um it's certainly true and i mean i even use siri while cycling you know to initiate phone calls and all of that um i i i was um was a documentary I, I watched the dissident i'm not sure if you watched that documentary and in the dissident they do talk about this software called pegasus which is originally from israel and and you know you just click on a link and then you download a software unbeknownst to you to your phone that sort of gives the person who started the virus on your phone access to everything and makes your phone into a listening device now of course that is only for people who are really high stakes uh, uh, people who 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 are in that range I wonder to what extent um, the, 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 the effect of it being able to listen to you is used for marketing purposes or for improving the software in any way. Um, Apple has sort of prescribed itself a very high level of privacy. And, you know, the fact that they were not wanting to give out their uh, safety features even to the FBI in, in a terrorist case made me feel pretty good um, about using their products. But then again, um, yeah, it's a concern, and it's 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 a concern between sort of what is my level of privacy and what's my level of comfort, right? I mean, cable headphones in my pockets, you know, being all messy, and you know, I wouldn't want to be able to cycle with them with cables, um, and then also it, it listening in um, or having the ability to listen in is definitely complicated. I don't know. How do you handle it? Do you do you avoid saying certain things while you're using your headphones? No, not really. But I, I worry about those those things, uh, mostly because, I, I, of course, we don't do anything that it's illegal or anything that I should worry about uh, uh, government spying on me. It's more my relationship with private companies uh, and companies having information about me that I not necessarily release those information to them. Uh, so that is the, the thing that worries me more, uh, especially because sometimes I'm talking with my wife or talking with someone about a product or something that I find interesting. And the times when I go to Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and I see an advertising about the thing that I was just speaking about is like mind boggling because uh, I, I didn't type, I didn't search for anything related to that. It's just like me talking with someone else and I see a related ad like a couple of hours later. That's something that scares me a little bit because they are collecting a lot of information that I, I'm not necessarily disclosing those informations to them. 
Um, so that is the only thing that worries me about this technology is having, uh, giving too much information to companies. Uh, because when I'm using their product, so if I go to Amazon and I type a product that I'm looking for, I understand that they are collecting that information to give me or to show me a product that is similar or a better offer. I understand it because I'm, I'm having a relationship. I went to that website and I'm, I'm giving information to them. So I, I'm completely clear about that. But once they are listening to things that I'm not necessarily interacting with the company, just my phone on the table and then uh, an ad appears talking about exactly the same thing that I was talking about. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a spooky. It's spooky and it's... It goes to the larger point that I've recently felt like it's just it's just a bit too much ads. I mean, social media platforms, at, to me at this point, I don't know, maybe my sensitivity level has changed or, or the, the amount of ads has changed. It's really annoying me at this point. I think Facebook Facebook has really kind of uh, 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 overdone it at this point, And it's yeah. a platform I don't use as much anymore for, for also for other reasons. But I, I think like Instagram, Twitter to a lesser extent, um, it's just overdoing it on the ads. I think YouTube is sort of the most egregious example that I've seen. Um, I mean, YouTube, the amount of ads, even on short videos, is 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 just outrageously uh, annoying. And I find myself not using the platform increasingly uh, because of the amount of advertising. Um, a lot of that is also targeted, and you know, I don't I don't mind targeted ads as much because. Well, you know, I sometimes buy because based on ads, but it, the, the, the overall amount I see on social media now, it's, it's just getting a bit too much. Yeah. And maybe ad revenue is down because, you know, we're, we're facing a recession and that, that can certainly be a part of it. Uh, but it's getting a bit too much. And I'm, 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 I, think, I think the social media platforms are, are running the risk of burning their fingers with this. Um, and, and I don't know how it is on the sort of the new platforms with TikTok and so on. I don't know because I don't use them. But um, uh, a little bit too much, I think, uh, some of them are doing. And it might be, might be bad for business. Yep, that's true. I mean, TV has experienced uh, similar problems, and that's why streaming overtook them. So we believe uh, uh, in, the, in the wonders of innovation there. So, uh, so Fabio, thank you for the conversation. I think there's as much time as we have for today. Thank you for joining us on the Consumer Podcast. Remind people where they can find you online. Uh, De Faria is Silva is my Twitter account, but you can learn everything about the Consumer Choice Center at consumerchoicecenter.org, or you can follow us at Consumer Choice C in Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us, Consumer Choice Center. And for those who speak Portuguese, your podcast? Liberdade para Escolher. It's the first podcast about uh, consumer freedom entirely in Portuguese. So if you speak Portuguese or if you're from Brazil or Portugal, you can listen to the podcast every week. We have also a YouTube channel, Liberdade para Escolher. Thank you so much, Fabio, for being one half of uh, the host today. My name is Bill Words. Thank you so much for listening and see you Thursday. Bye-bye.